We start today with the news that tomorrow's Aston Villa Tottenham match will be rescheduled due to the ongoing COVID-19 outbreak at Aston Villa. The club requested the change after fielding a squad of all youth players in the FA Cup over the weekend. Their entire first team, as well as head coach Dean Smith, have been self-isolating. Now, that has led to a domino effect of adjustments. Tottenham still play tomorrow, but will now host Fulham in a match that was postponed last month. Fulham's game against Chelsea has been pushed from Friday to Saturday, which moves Aston Villa-Everton from Saturday to Sunday morning. A lot of changes, and Fulham head coach Scott Parker was not too pleased with the short notice to play tomorrow. I think I realise, and we all realise at this moment, we live in a time which is very... Um, not predictable. You, you, you're going to have to move certain things in terms of what you what you're used to. Certainly, as a manager, we live in that climate every day, and in, in, in the way we we're managing at this present moment in time. And I'll probably speak for for a lot of, of managers. And it's not ideal. Of course, it isn't. But I certainly accept that. And I'm I'm normally the last one to really to really moan or whine about anything because I realise that it's, it's tough out there, and, and this is the way it is. But What's happened to us, obviously, to confirm a game, a Premier League game as well. This is a Premier League, one of the best leagues in the world. To confirm that at 9.30 on Monday morning um, is, is scandalous, really, to be honest with you, because it's not about the fixture. The, the, the fixtures, that, that, that's fine. I, I accept that maybe we have to play, but it's the notice and it's the... You know, maybe these people in these places don't understand how you manage teams and how you manage players, but you're you're constantly um, working out in well advance. And what what the decisions I would have made and we would have made, whether that's against QPR, whether that's players who are literally just coming back from. By the way, um, we've had it tough in terms of COVID. We've not been out there with numbers publicly, but we, we we've had it we've had it very tough. And working them players over a weekend, knowing or thinking that you've got six or seven days before your next fixture for them to obviously um, to get up to speed or, or, or to work them, that's quickly, quickly changed Monday morning. And for me, that, I just, yeah, I mean, it's, it's madness, really. Doesn't want to moan about it, but it's scandalous. He understands, but it's madness. We're going to break all that down in a moment. But first, a look at the next few days. It's the first part of a split match week 18, which is typical for this time in the season when Premier League clubs enter the FA Cup. So six games will be played this week, and the second group of matches will take place from January 19th to the 21st. Today, it's Sheffield United, Newcastle, Burnley, Man United, and Wolves, Everton. Two games tomorrow with Man City, Brighton. And now Tottenham Fulham. Then Thursday, it is Arsenal hosting Crystal Palace. And with that, we welcome you into Premier League Live. Hello, everyone. Liam McHugh, Robbie Musto, and Tim Howard. We're going to talk about what you just heard in a moment. But first, do you want to tell you that in terms of COVID-19 testing in the Premier League, nearly 2,600 players and staff were tested in this latest round, 36 positives. That's actually a slight improvement. The last round of testing brought us 40 positives. But let's go back to what we just heard from Scott Parker, this idea of constantly shifting schedules, changes on the horizon, dealing with all of that. The Premier League right now, can it continue this way? Well, it's going to have to continue this way. And Scott Parker doesn't like it, and I accept the reasons why he doesn't like it. Um, Spurs, on their side of things, were worried about more postponements. They couldn't fit all the games in. 
What Scott's talking about there, though, is that he's planning. And managers do plan for, for this week and then the next week. He's planning certain players' minutes. He would have done something different at QPR in the FA Cup on Saturday to get players ready for a Wednesday game. He thought he had an extra couple of days for the Friday game. So I understand all that. And he makes some good, valid points. And would it happen to a, to a big, big club? Maybe not. But in these circumstances, Tim, and with, with living with what we're living with in the league now, I just think you just got to get on with it. It's not a great, great t- for them to, to change their planning, but you got to get on with it. I mean, you do have to get on with it. I've, I've been on, I've been on a bus driving up the road to a Premier League game, and traffic comes to a halt, and you're nearly an hour late. You ring the Premier League, and you ask them to push it back. They say, "No, get off the bus and, and, and do your job." And so, the one-offs are kind of fun in mm. a way because it makes the preparation different. But these continual anticipation of postponements really. It puts a wrench in the works for these managers and for the players because, as you said, he would have been naming his team three games, looking three games in advance to say, okay, I can rest certain players. Now I can't. This is clearly the world we're living in at the moment, and it makes it very, very difficult, and you can sense his frustration when he speaks. Personal accountability, though, Mm. within the teams and from the players. Does it need to be more pressure at this point? Yeah, uh, we've gone beyond that. I think the players have failed the system, right? They're at the shopping malls and, and at the supermarkets. We, we've seen through other sports around the world, certainly in this country, uh, players, there needs to be more accountability. I think there needs to be heavier fines on the teams. The teams need to find the players. And quite frankly, I, I look at where, where are the leaders? You know, when LeBron James decided he wanted to win his umpteenth championship, he, did, he told all the players in his team, you're not going anywhere. <laughs> Uh, you're going to win this thing, and we're going to do it. And so I look at the likes of De Bruyne and Henderson and Vardy and leaders of their teams come, coming out and saying, hey, stop the madness. No more of these social media pictures. Everybody's going to start abiding by these rules, and they're going to do it now. Because it's crisis time. It doesn't get much worse than this in terms of talk about cancelling a season. The government over the last few days have basically slapping the wrist of football in England saying... Like, this isn't looking good when you celebrate in dressing rooms after mm-hmm. FA Cup victories. Players are going away abroad where they don't have permission to. Certain players turn up at different stadiums they haven't been given permission for. Mm-hmm. Players need to realise that they, they hold everything now. Mm-hmm. They hold everything. If they don't behave, and this continues, and there's more virus, we know that the UK, the NHS, is absolutely stretched to, to, to breaking point. Um, so we're at a, a period in time where the players have the power with control and with looking after themselves and the family and everybody else around them, or we could be in a situation where some tough decisions from the league is going to happen. Yep, there's always the potential peer pressure. We saw the NBA, the NHL, the same thing, but there's financial pressure, be it clubs on their individual players, or if there is a scene in a dressing room, perhaps it's the league on the, individ- on the club itself yeah. for not policing those things. I think at this point, everything's open for exploration. Sean Dice, the Burnley manager, he had these thoughts about the potential of vaccination being the solution to the problem. I think for me, look, it's, it's a view. Um, I'm not saying it's the view, but it's my view. I think vaccination is the way forward throughout football. I can only talk for the Premier League because I'm in the Premier League, but I think it'd be good for football. I think if you think of the idea of the amount of vaccinations across the country, the amount that would be needed in football. But the biggest thing for me is the balance. And the balance would be, and this is only theoretical, by the way, it's just a view, the amount of money being spent on testing in the Premier League, I can't speak for the other divisions, if that money was therefore channelled back into the NHS and into the vaccination system, surely that's a better place to be than it is just continuing testing a load of footballers two, three, four times a week. So in in lieu of the cost of vaccinations is my point. Um, 
you know, it's, it's there to be looked at. It's there to be viewed. I appreciate there'll be some people say, why, you know, why should footballers get vaccinated, et cetera, et cetera. But if the payback to the system is in advance, well in advance, and I imagine it would be, then, you know, for argument's sake, if there's 20, 20 Premier League clubs and there's 100 tests, a club, let, 100 vaccinations, sorry, a, t- a club, let's say, I would imagine the payback to the system, the NHS and the vaccination system financially would be considerable in lieu of then, uh, I'm no scientist, but I'm told if you've been vaccinated, you don't need to keep testing. So therefore, if the testing diminishes, that money could be used for a much better cause, in my opinion. Um, and therefore, football stays a competitive industry rather than what might end up being a skewed industry because of players missing from games. And I just think it's a commonsensical view. I appreciate there'll be people who disagree with me um, probably wholeheartedly. But I just think the balance of of getting some vaccinations quicker throughout football, the payback would be enormous in comparison. He's right that there are going to be people who disagree with him wholeheartedly immediately on Mm. that fact because the optics are bad. I mean, you have wealthy professional football players who ostensibly would then be just jumping the line to get the vaccine. I think what he's getting at is the idea if we flood the system with money, maybe it'd be good for the common Mm. good, the greater Mm. good. They'll have that money, perhaps more resources. Other options. A bubble concept? Yeah, well, I think the last thing that, that English football needs is is the season to be shut down, closed, or even suspended for a couple of weeks. I'm not sure that, that that's going to help too much as well. If things continue in the same path, and I know that the testing was a little bit of improvement, that's a good sign, but if it keeps going where more players get infected, more training grounds closed down, more games postponed, then, Tim... American-style bubbles where the, the, the players stay at their training ground. Some clubs have the facility to do that or a hotel near the training ground. They go and train every day. They stay in the, in the hotel. The only time they leave that area is to go and play the games on a bus, come mm-hmm. back or whatever it is. That w- would be, the, I guess, the last resort. Not great on the families of the players, but surely, Tim, better than having to curtail the season or, or find some other solution. Yeah, because well, what ends up happening is the players, what's happened now? The players have got lulled into this false sense of security. The average person walking down the street living in, in the U.K. is scared to death, and rightfully so. They don't want to get COVID. They, they don't get testing every week, so, so they abide by the rules. Premier League footballers have gotten tested once or twice a week since July, right? Most of them have been negative. Mm. So they start walking around going, it's been six months. I'm not getting this thing. It's only until it happens to them that they go, oh, I really should have done this. And then, and then it's too late. I think right now the players can't police themselves. There needs to be a bubble situation. I know they'll be away from their girlfriends, wives, and children for about four for, months. For yeah, months, sixteen weeks. Okay, but other other leagues have done it. Other, other players and teams have done it. It's a small price to pay to make sure we get this competition to finish in the proper way. The whole idea is finishing it in the proper way. So does that take the concept of a shortened season off the table? I think it does. I think it absolutely does. I mean, nineteen home, nineteen away, a fair. Balance season is what we're used to in England, and I think anything else that you could like points per game situation would not go down well. They need to finish it. Yeah, different yeah. situation in America with the NHL, the NBA, our leagues. The idea is you get to a playoff, and then you decide in the playoffs your proper champion. Obviously, Premier League, very different. They waited that long for the win, <laughs> and then waited a little bit longer, and then the heart beating a bit faster after this one. Sheffield United, what does this moment mean for them now and now going forward? Well, Musty talked about does does the win in, in the in the FA Cup 
boost them today. It did. They played really well. They knew Newcastle would sit back. They were good on the ball. Granted, they were helped by a red card, but they still needed to get the goal and get the win. It was never going to be easy or pretty for Sheffield United, but credit to them for sticking at it. Mm. Other side, Steve Bruce, you said he was the man actually facing more pressure entering this one. How is it now? It's ramped up. Absolutely ramped up. Disappointing. And I know the red card makes it easier or tougher for them. But even before that, it wasn't good enough for Newcastle United. Not enough positivity. Not enough urgency in their football. That's another miserable, disappointing night for Newcastle United. The fans, I'll tell you, will start to get pretty angry on Tyneside. So, yeah, you have the better of the first half. Right at the end of that, they get someone sent off. The manager sends on Rian Brewster, pretty quickly sends on you. Then you get the penalty. Was there a sense of, in terms of getting that win and trying to keep yourself in this division, now or never? Had to be tonight. Yeah, we, you know, we were trying to get the win before Christmas, but it wasn't to be. So, just keep churning away. And, you know, we beat Bristol Rovers. We had a good battle with them and we got a win, you know. Um, and it's obviously given us some confidence for tonight, and I thought we played with a lot of confidence tonight. So hopefully that win now uh, gives us a lot more belief, and, you know, we just got to keep battling away now. Uh, the pressure's off, if you like. Everyone's written us off, so we just keep grinding away and trying to get the results. Chris, your first win in the Premier League for 186 days. I know you've not been counting, but how good does it feel? I have. <laughs> I have. Every minute of uh, every, every hour, every day. Uh, yeah, it does. It feels good for, for, for the players and the supporters. I'm delighted. Um, everybody knows that we should have got more results than what, we, what we've got. Um, but I thought the manner of the performance to, to, tonight was, was good. Um, we built on a, you know, a tough FA Cup tie uh, at, at the weekend, and you know we played with the identity that that, I've, that has been sort of the way we've played over the last sort of two or three years. And um, I thought I think he showed, showed that tonight. I should imagine a lot will get talked about regarding the sending off and, and maybe. Uh, the penalty decision, but I believe, in, in, in my opinion, we were we were we were value for a for a good uh, good victory tonight, uh, regardless of those those two decisions. Nine two and zero over their last eleven, top of the table now, three points up on Liverpool. What do we learn about them in a match like this? Well, I, I, I enjoyed United in the second half. What I wanted to see at halftime: dominance, get on the ball, get the front players involved. We saw all of that. Bruno starts getting um, involved in those spaces. Pogba. Dominating, getting on the ball, showing us what a great player he is. So that was much better. Sustained attacks, Tim. Everything that we called for at halftime, we saw it in the second half, and that was a much better play. A little moment of quality again. We know they can produce out of Pogba's volley. Really good. Mm. Man, at the top of the table, they're going to need games like this that are ugly, that they have to roll their sleeves up, and, and three points ultimately are three points. What I like is they didn't go behind in this game. They've had a knack yeah. of doing that away from home. They can't drop points in that situation. Really well done. Paul, congratulations. Uh, a goal tonight, three points, top of the Premier League. Lots to be happy about, I'm sure. Yeah, for sure. Now, we know uh, that uh, the, the game today was very hard, very difficult, and uh, obviously we wanted to win. We know it's not easy to play here, and uh, we got the three points, and we're happy, uh, we're happy for that. But we're still, uh, still a long way, and uh, we're going to have to focus again until the, the end of the season. There was a, a lot of VAR decisions, particularly in the first half. How difficult is it to maintain your focus when, when things are happening like that? Obviously, it's hard, but we, you have to be professional and you have to know as well. We know that it won't going to be easy. And uh, with the decision of the referee as well, that, in my opinion, I didn't agree. 
but I'm not the boss on the on the pitch. He's the boss, so we just have to keep calm and uh, keep focused. And we've done this, we've done well. We scored the goal and uh, we won the game. The Harry Maguire goal as well. Did you feel that that should have stood? And, and did it feel like things were going against you at that time? It's not that I feel. It was a goal, for sure. It was a goal, for sure. I don't know, he just jumped before. He had it. It was a beautiful goal. And uh, then the referee decided that was kind of a strange, strange decision today, but uh, we got the result that we wanted, so we're happy. How patient did you have to be? You came out second half and dominated a lot of the ball, but they're very difficult to break down. How patient did you have to be to, to see that out, to get the win? Obviously, you could see that the game was going both ways. You know, it's not, like I said, it's very hard to play here. They have uh, the style of play. We know we know them. They're very strong and uh, we know it will be difficult. So we have to, to keep our head calm and uh, just focus in, uh, in ourselves. And uh, then the, the goal will come and uh, it did come. So it was a performance, great performance from, uh, from everyone. Good, good focus. And you have to keep uh, doing this. I'm sure you're very happy to be where you are in the league table. From, from a personal point of view, you look happy out there. How happy are you right now with, with where you are? I'm always happy when I win. <laughs> so, obviously, uh, today we won, so I'm very happy. I'm happy that we play well and I'm uh, happy that we are at the top. But like I said, it's uh, still a long way to go. You have big games coming up, so you have to focus on that too. Leeds United and Southampton's Premier League fixture scheduled for next Wednesday, January 20th, has been postponed. This will allow Southampton to play their FA Cup third round match against Shrewsbury Town on Tuesday, which was postponed last weekend due to COVID-19 concerns. Tim Howard, Robbie Musto, Ahmed Freed, glad you're with us here today as we get set for our second game, Tottenham-Fulham, in just a second here. But Tim... Are, are, are we seeing a transformation here of City? I'm just looking at their last 14 in mm -hmm. all competitions. They've given up three goals, mm -hmm. 11 clean sheets. We talk about the City high offense, high octane mm -hmm. offense. This is the defensive City now. This is what we've wanted to see for years now. Just tighten it up at the back. We know you have enough firepower going forward. And we talked about it yesterday with Manchester United. Maybe this is maybe there's going to be some ugly games in there. You know, in, in terms of the title run and who's who's still in the title run with Liverpool. City, United, these are teams that are going to have to win ugly in order to win the league this year. There might be a few really nice games where there's four, five, six goals scored, but it doesn't look that way, and it's trending that defense is going to win the league. Yeah, it's fascinating because I watched really closely, and that, the, the second part of that second half, Brighton had a lot of good plays, and they didn't make the highlights because they never got close to goal. Ruben Diaz and John Stones, mm. for anybody out there the next day, watch them. They are so in sync. They are so motivated. They're so focused. They're so intense about their defending and made some blocks and some tackles and, and Diaz heads the ball away. I'm, sure the, I'm not sure the firepower is the same this season. We saw they struggled to get the second goal, but they do get left exposed defensively. But with Diaz and John Stones, that's the big difference this season. That's a big difference, and that can take them a long way when they do get Aguero uh, back inside. Does it feel like it's, this is City at its best again? Yeah, definitely. I feel like we're, we're back to our best, you know. Um, we can definitely take confidence from the um, last few results now. Um, today, I still thought we could have done better and we dug deep to get the win. So, overall, I'm very proud of the team, how we, how we kept going to the final whistle. And, yeah, overall, it's a great result. Pep, congratulations. Being a, a big admirer of Brighton, how pleasing was it to get another win against them tonight? Now we knew it before. We spoke with the players, so we, how tough it would be for the quality for the for the opponent. So 
when the people say only you can play good and be encouraged to play just in the top teams with the top players, Graham Potter and uh, his team showed that it doesn't matter. If you have a good mentality to, to play, and they did it. Saying this, uh, we we played a really good good half. First half, uh, we, had, we had chances enough to score more goals. In the second half, we started really well, and after when we missed a clear chance in the post with Bernardo, and the two or three actions in the same time, after that they were better. In the last 10, 15 minutes, we struggled with 1-0, everything can happen. But we need to win this type of games, not winning with your control, to suffer and being there. Because except one or two crosses that they have chances we didn't create much. Um, but it's a good lesson for us to know exactly the next four or five games that we have. So every game will be, will be like this. Third in the table now with the game in hand. You've got that momentum. How pleased are you with the position you find yourselves in? Uh, Crystal Palace. Graham, commiserations tonight. Was that another game where the performance and the effort was there, but just not quite enough for the result? Absolutely. Um, so proud of the players. They, they gave everything. Um, played against the top team. Suffered, suffered a bit first half. Missed some opportunities to attack ourselves. Probably could have been better with the ball. Um, second half, I thought we we did that. We improved our game a little bit more. Stepped up a bit more aggressive. Um, and a really, really good performance, I thought. Um, so proud of the players. So as we sit here right now, how surprised are you, Tim Howard, of that result? Well, I'm, su I'm surprised that Fulham was the better footballing side. We know they played good football. They've got some quality. We expected, as we saw in the first half, Tottenham pinned them back. They came out of halftime. And tell you what, credit to Scott Parker's team there. Got a point out of this game. Impressive. What do you think? Brilliant. Brilliant from Fulham. Kept playing right from the first whistle to the last whistle. Made good substitutions. Look, look man, what a good time for him mm. to come into the game, Tim. Bright, lively, brilliant ball in for the goal. But the Spurs fans will say... Should we be sitting back after we score? Should we be sitting back? And it is Jose style. He sits back and he, yeah. he, he waits for those mistakes and he hits you on a counter-attack in transition. And often, that's why I said the human son was such a big moment. That's the way that he racks up the goals. Not today. Well, you, you, made, a, you made a point uh, before the game. What ends up happening is it's tough for Tottenham to see games out because they go back to front. There is no midfield play. There is no structure. They look for the count. When you're winning a game in the second half, you have to be able to see the game out by just passing the ball through the midfield yeah. and making the other team go side to side. Tottenham don't do that at all. Yeah, and, the, and Jose's teams are normally so, so strong defensively. And that's a great cross and header. Um, but, yeah, didn't work for him today again. Jose, it's um, a frustrating outcome for you, obviously, and, and again, the importance of finding the second goal, which you didn't get. Yeah. Uh, in the first half, I think uh, Riola made a couple of impossible saves, and then uh, we missed a couple of others, and then in the second half, in that counter-attack, we have to kill the game, and uh, we didn't. And then if you don't score goals, you have to keep the clean sheet and not make mistakes like we like we did. So um, it's a very avo avoidable goal. It's, it's a cross to the centre of, uh, of the box. The, the markers are there. Uh, there was not even uh, disadvantage in terms of, of, of numbers. And you lose a duel and you lose two points. Fulham have played really well ever since they won at Leicester in, in, in most of their games. Um, they look a very different yeah. side from the Fulham that, that played the first few games of the season. Yeah. In the first few games they come with a certain philosophy. And they were uh, intelligent enough to understand that no chance to play the way they wanted to play. So they change. They become more defensive and at the same time better in, 
in Contra. They're getting results, and uh, today I believe they were a little bit lucky, but I give them credit because they were good. Well, Scott, given everything that happened in the build-up, how impressed were you with that performance? Yeah, very impressed, to be fair. I thought we was, um, I thought we was outstanding tonight from, from start to finish, to be honest with you, everything about us, um, performance-wise, um, with the ball, um, everything about us, yeah. And also, like you said, with what's happened... Um, a lot of talk, but no one really knows um, what we've probably been through over the last couple of uh, couple of weeks. Players out there tonight will have had one day's training. Players in the squad will have barely had any day's training. They've been in the building yesterday, some of them. And um, to, to prepare the game like we did um, and to play like we did, and I, and I think that's what I'm pleased the most with. I'm proud of the team because of how we performed under the circumstances, um, but I'm even more proud of them because we showed some real quality today. I thought we, we caused Tottenham numerous problems, and, and to be honest with you, I, you know, a draw at the end of it, you're thinking you know, we, we, we could maybe win the game. Just finally, Jose made a real point of waiting for you pre-match, so clearly no hard feelings there. No, no, look, you know, I played, I played with Jose, and I, I understand... Um, I understand everything is what it is. You know, everyone tries to to stir up things the way they were. I don't know whether Jose was planning on that, but look, listen, at the end of it, it was uh, it was game time. I said that to you after, and we had one focus tonight, um, and that was to go and put a performance in, and I'm glad we did that. Tim Howard, Ahmed Farid, Robbie Musto. All right, Tim, so no goals in that one. What can we take away from either side here? I, I feel like both sides may be a little disappointed after this result. Well, if I was, if I was Palace... Not, not, not a terrible result. Uh, it keeps them going. They, they had four points from their last two games. This just allows them to continue moving in the right direction. Disappointment for me from Arsenal. They always leave you searching for more. That's what I get a feeling. My feeling is this season. They, they leave you wanting more. Just the, the players in the midfield, Aubameyang, Lacazette up front, Pepe who comes on. You're like, you're hoping these players are going to do something. These are top quality players. Some, some are world class and you're thinking, Give me a bit more. Give me a bit more. And yet they don't. And so they almost flatter to deceive in a way. Which, 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 which the question whether they are top players, whether mm. they are world-class players mm. anymore. I mean, that's an even game. Even amount of shots on both sides, even amount kind of shots on target. There's one point between them, middle of the Premier League table. Mm. I mean, that's a pretty sad indictment of Arsenal right now, but that's it, mid-table. And they've had a recent good run. The Chelsea victory was a brilliant win for them. But this was a game where you want them to kick on and, and produce something, but they just lacked quality. Lacked quality. And you know there's some big names out there and some young players that we've really enjoyed watching. Uh, Emma Smith-Rowe. Mm-hmm. Didn't see him much. You know, even Saka that's been really, really consistent didn't see him much as well. Kieran Tini is such a miss at left fullback. Mm-hmm. Such a miss because of his left foot getting forward, particularly against Palace, that give you the, the outside areas. So... Yeah, they've had, a, they've had plenty of steps forward, Tim, but that's a step back now for us. Yeah, and it's, and it's, and it's hard to be... Super critical of Smith Rowe. He's, he's young. He's only 20 years old. He'll grow into that role. But when I look at Arsenal and I say that they leave you wanting more, even when Manchester United was up and down, Bruno Fernandes always wanting the ball, taking the ball, making a difference. Rashford staying amongst the goals, and at least they had something they could hang their hat on to build momentum, and Arsenal don't have that. Yeah, we were trying to pinpoint where the goal was going to come from. We thought maybe Aberche Eze could get it on the score sheet. He scored in their last game against Sheffield United. Could not today, but he is talking with us afterwards here. 
Abrichia, a point away from home at Arsenal as well. How was that game for you? Yeah, um, we take it. I think we put in a good performance. We worked hard. Um, we showed our quality on the ball as well, so it's a good point to take. You created a lot of chances, one especially with Tompkins from the free kick. How difficult was that to watch? It came so close. Yeah, it was so close. Those are the type of chances that if they go in, it's a different game. But again, we played we played well and we worked hard and we, we got a deserved point. Christian Benteke as well came very close when you threaded him through. We saw your reaction for that one. Yeah, <laughs> these type of games, you need a, a chance to go in and it's difficult because you, you, you go long scores without the ball. But again, it's a, it's a great performance, I think. How difficult did Arsenal make it for you? as well because you kind of traded between spells yeah definitely they're, they're a great team and they've got loads of quality um, I think with the type of players that they have you have to always be alert and keep working hard and I think we did that today you've got a tough run of games really Arsenal away and now Manchester City so how important was a draw here today to build on that for City next yeah 100% I think we, we need to take that into the next game I think with the momentum that we've got now I think we can, we can just keep going clean sheet as well yeah always, always like those how difficult did Crystal Palace make that for you today? Well, um, they did defend really well with loads of players and um, we tried to break that uh, low block. I feel that little spark, that little bit of uh, creativity uh, or just like that shot or chance that you can get sometimes uh, was missing today and um, we can't follow the team for the for the effort we try really hard uh, defensively offensively um, today we didn't have that little bit of luck that we needed and um, obviously credit to them they did really really well as well they knew what they were coming here for um, they're a team that in the counter attack they can be really really dangerous they play their game and uh, we go away with a point what do you put the lack of spark down to do you think well, I think um, when you play against teams that uh, they defend with so many players, sometimes uh, the spaces are really short. Um, you know, it's, it's hard to play balls in behind because there's not much space. And as I say, sometimes it just uh, takes uh, one moment in the game, you know, to just open the score. And then once the once the game's one nil or something, then the spaces come up because the other team is trying to trying to score a goal. And uh, you know, we didn't we didn't score the chances that we had in the first half. So then we knew that we had to suffer to break them down. And you know, it wasn't our day to do that today. Personnel-wise, do you feel like you missed the likes of Kieran? today? Um, yeah, I think so. I mean, I think we do we do uh, miss every single player when they're not on the pitch. You know, we also have like great players coming back, and I think NC did a great job again um, filling in uh, such a versatile player. Um, but it's true that Kieran also was enjoying a very good form, you know, and um, we did miss probably that on the left side. But um, we have very talented players in many areas that can come in, and um, you know, we're not a team that we we boil down to just uh, one player. We need to find ways to be creative to break away other teams um, whatever the challenge they they give us and um, we need to keep improving on that. A couple of big saves from your keeper especially in the first half today, had a good game Yeah, uh, Ben is, uh, is a great goalkeeper um, he, he always has like two free saves that really saves us every single every single game and um, you know I think uh, we had our chances in the other end as well and um, yeah I mean we're happy to go away with a clean sheet I think in, in that sense we're improving um, and not just from the keeper, the, the, the whole team in the, in the last few 
few uh, minutes of the game there was a counter attack and you could see like the whole team was running back no matter what so I think um, there's positives to it um, as I say like the clean sheet but uh, long way to go for us still Is there a sense of disappointment in the dressing room at the moment among your teammates? Yeah of course because also uh, we've been enjoying uh, winning lately uh, we know that we're doing everything we can we're working really hard we're doing what the boss is telling us to do and um, but sometimes football games are like this you know uh, you can kind of win all of them and um, we are in a part of a process we feel like we understand each other on the pitch and the way that the coach wants us to play uh, more and more and then sometimes it's just down to that final final shot or the final decision and today we weren't as good in that in that situation and and yeah how'd you get it back before the next game that spark that you've had Sorry? how'd you get it back um well i think uh, it's just uh, we just need to keep going you know keep trying i mean it's not it's not a thing of like of like we have it on and we don't have it like um you know against chelsea we score three goals against west brom we score four so we have it in us you know um it's just like um sometimes uh, different teams propose different challenges that you gotta overtake and i think we we not only need to think about us we need to see that crystal palace did a really really good game they defended really good they were really aggressive um they were tactically uh, very compact and it's also credit to them as well Mikel, do you think your performance tonight merited more than a point? Probably not, uh, because we created uh, a lot of situations. We played a lot in the final thirds against a really low block, but uh, I think we lack the quality to make the right decision, the final pass, or put the ball in the net when we have uh, the chances. So overall, probably, probably not. Bit of a tentative start. Why do you think perhaps your players struggle to get the ball to the forward players? Well, it's the amount of games that we are playing. Uh, we played extra times a few days back uh, as well. And, and you could see the freshness today wasn't there in many players. And, and the fatigue is paying a price. And then to, to attack these spaces, you have to be really fresh. You have to have that connection. And, and today we lacked that in certain moments. And when we did connect at the end, we didn't finish the actions like we should have done. Well, there certainly seemed to be a lot more intensity at the start of the second half. But again, did you feel that petered out because of fatigue, maybe? Yeah, beat it up because uh, you need to score the goal in that moment. And we have enough entries in the final third uh, to create more when we did. The ball was all the time around the box. And then we had a period that uh, I think is fatigue-related that we started to give the ball away, easy, simple balls away, and you allow them to do the counter situations that they are really good at and you have to track 60 metres back and that creates even more fatigue. Um, at the end, I think we lack today the quality in the final third to win the game. Well, Roy, a clean sheet against Arsenal at home and Arsenal that are in a good run of form. How does that feel? Yeah, it feels good. I'm very, more than satisfied with everything. Really, I thought our, our defending was good throughout. I thought there was a, a particularly good spell in the first half where we created a couple of very good opportunities. And in the second half, we perhaps wasted one or two opportunities with the with the final pass after getting ourselves into a position where we we could have produced the pass, which could have hurt them. But throughout, it was an excellent defending performance and a, a fantastic piece of discipline and hard work from the players. And I'm very proud of proud of the way. They've, they've gone about their work tonight. Some really good chances, some really close ones as well, created by Eze, one for Tompkins and one for Benteke as well. And we could see your reaction on the sideline. They came so close, didn't they? Yeah, I'm afraid that I've not learned that... Uh uh, way of being on the touchline and not being involved in every in every movement and every ball and showing my emotions. Uh, it'd be nice if one didn't because sometimes you you show your emotions in the wrong way. But uh, it was a, a good evening for us.
Frank, how are you dealing with it all? So many reports, your name's all over the media, but how are you feeling? I'm feeling fine. I, I, I was very aware when I came into this job uh, and I think if you manage a top club in the Premier League or in the world, which Chelsea is, you have to understand that pressure will come very quickly at times. And, and pressure is actually constantly there anyway. I always felt pressure in our good run uh, or last season when expectations were, were lower for us and we, and we um, what I felt overachieved, achieved very well. Um, so it's very normal. I've been here as a player for a long time. So um, it's part of my job. It actually um, focuses my concentration completely on, on how to get us some results because we know in the last few games it hasn't been good enough and uh, and that's fine for me. You've got a really good record against Fulham, unbeaten in the league since 2006. Does, does that help mentally in any way, especially after that defeat to Manchester City? Um, no, and I hope that's not pessimistic. It's not. It's just a reality of football. Fulham are playing well. Fulham played very well last night against Tottenham, a game that they probably felt like they may, maybe could have won, but they played very well in the game um, and that's been their recent form so I think previous uh, history before that goes away Yeah I was going to ask you about their form actually because obviously they had a poor start to the season but Scott Parker's really made them hard to beat uh, lately um, taking points from Liverpool, Leicester, Southampton and Spurs so how do you make sure that you don't make the same mistakes other teams have perhaps made against them? We just have to concentrate on ourselves being the best. When you say mistakes to other teams, I don't think it's necessarily mistakes. We must credit Scott and his team there because they have certainly with a change of system and, uh, uh, and how they've worked on it. You've seen a clear um, style of play. You've seen a clear way that they're not giving many chances to teams in games. They're very well organised and they have threats throughout their team. So um, I don't think it's about mistakes. They've drawn with Liverpool recently. They've drawn with Tottenham last night. It's going to be a tough game no matter what, but we have to focus on ourselves. It is going to be a tough test for Frank Lampard and Chelsea, especially with the way they've been playing lately. We saw Fulham impressive against Tottenham yesterday. So what about this for Frank Lampard? He says it doesn't affect him. The pressure might be even good for, for Chelsea. Does he deserve to have this amount of heat coming from him, from management, from the fans? Yes, I'm afraid he does, yeah, and, he, and he's absolutely right. He knows that club more than anybody else. I, I'm sure he felt the pressure as a player, and he knew the pressure was going to come as a manager. And even more so this season than last year, given what he had with the, the transfer restrictions, had a really good season, finished in the top four. Champions League football, that's great. So when you spend $300 million and you're, what are you, ninth in the Premier League, six points away from the top four spot, that's pressure. He's got to find a way to bridge that gap because I'm not sure, Tim, he's going to be the coach next season if they don't get close to that. Now, I don't, you know, expecting a top four is maybe what the club did expect, but I, if they don't get in and around that area and threaten that and show progression and, and the, the players that haven't done particularly great are starting to find some form and the team starts to improve, mm. he will be out of the club. So that's the pressure. But I really, really hope... Yeah that he finds a way to, to get the players playing again because I think he, he could be a really good manager for a long period of time. Well, his own success last season has heaped a bunch of pressure on him this year because then they say, had the transfer member, we'll give you a bunch of money. We know Abramovich likes to spend the money. They go out and they're 10 points off the leaders in ninth place and you think, you know, no, we're really near the top four. They don't look like a top four side. So, yeah, it's, you're, going, you're going backwards. And I think that was always the risk with, with spending all of that money. Because it was, it, was, it was going to go one of two ways. Either the team was going to gel and you just had so much quality that you were brushing people aside, or it was going to take time mm. to gel. And we've seen that it's taken some time. Now, in fairness to Frank, I think he's handling the pressure pretty well. He says all the right things. Granted, he's been at that football club. It's his football club. Mm. Uh, he was brilliant as a player and a legend. So he understands the pressure. So he's saying all the right things, but it's, it's different when you're, when, when, 
you have an owner who is is doesn't mind getting rid of a manager. Even his best friends he'll get rid of. And so, yeah, there is some pressure there. Frank's, go ahead. So I'm just going to add to that, that, that because there's so many good players there, and they're good players. Mm. Yeah. If you're the owner, you're like, well, well, why? Come on, why? Somebody else could get more out of this group of players. So that's the pressure that somebody else could come in and, and do a better job with a good squad of yeah, players. It's a ready-made squad, isn't it? Yeah. 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 And if you're Frank, that puts you in a tough situation mm-hmm. here because do you cut, do you put Timo Werner on the... I know you spent a lot of money there, but you need to get results now. Do you go with the players who can produce now and say, if you're not producing, i got to put you on the... I can't wait. Well, either that or find a way. Find a way. He's the manager. And these players, Havertz and, and Timo Werner... Yes, they're new, and yes, they take time, but you've got to see some signs, Tim. I mean, and it's his job to find a way. Try two up front. Play, play Tim Averner up front with Abraham. Try somebody else. And, you know, try and find a way to get it to work better instead of going the same old system, yeah. same old things that, that recently hasn't been working very There's well. There's more, more he can do, more he has to do against Fulham, who come in uh, feeling like uh, they can do anything after getting that draw against Tottenham. They got three in eight days versus the big six do Fulham, so a tough stretch for them as well. Uh, so this one's coming up. Uh, this weekend, and I'm trying to think back, Tim, past few years here for Manchester United, you can't pick out any single game mm. that is as big as this one is this weekend versus Liverpool, can you? No, but up and down, up and down the country, this is, this is English football's biggest game. It's its greatest game, simple as that. And what makes us even better this weekend is that they're one and two. And, and, and you know, when you look at this rivalry, it has so much to it. It has great games, great players. It has one team, United, overtaking Liverpool, who's traditionally had the most titles. And it has so many, so many storylines. This, this is what you expect from a major top-of-the-table class. Yeah, playing in this game, what was that like for you, Tim? Uh, I was a naive boy. You know, I, I heard about it. But, you know, you, you get into the rivalry and what you expect it to be, it's it far surpasses that you know you go first time I went to Anfield as a United player I'm thinking oh this is, is kind of cool I had no idea that this was like honestly the biggest game pretty much ever for either club so yeah really interesting. it's a big game this year and probably Jurgen Klopp and Liverpool relish the fact that they're not coming in top of the table in this one are <laughs> Manchester United ready to come into this rivalry matchup the top team in the table yeah they'll be ready for it and I gotta say. Because it's at Anfield and United have been really, really good away from home, mm-hmm. they have a real good chance of winning the game. I mean, obviously, the obvious thing to say here is, fans, what a shame. Mm-hmm. You know, what a shame we're not mm-hmm. going to see that kind of, you know, those clips there, looking at some of the old games there. It's, it's fantastic. And the fans, the atmosphere, of course, makes it. We're not going to get that, but we're going to get a very interesting game of football. If United can go there and win that six-point gap, yeah. same games played. Uh, fascinating matchup, two very different sides. And, you know, it's time for Liverpool to kind of step up now. OK, United are top right now, but we want to win this title. Mm. We wanted to get it to 20 versus 20 because they'll say that their European Cups kind of trump for better United. Mm. So, so much riding on it. Two teams that play very differently. I guess evenly matched right now in the league table. It's going to be a fascinating game. Yeah, what you say there, if United can open up a six-point gap, they're playing well. Pogba's back in good form. Fernandez's been fantastic. They believe... And Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, they really do. You can see this team believing. And if they get a hold of that six-point gap, that's why I think it's more important for them. Also, they've they've been nowhere near Liverpool these last few years. This could be a massive statement game for them. I think they need it more than Liverpool do. Yeah, and and, uh, the question is, poor Pogba. Mm. So in a lot of big games, he's not been trusted, I guess, defensively against the big boys. But he's playing so well, 
I've got to think he's going to play him soon because, you know, that, that's, you know, I'm sure Fred's going to come back in, Fred and McTominay, to come in and, and give that energy side of it to match Liverpool's midfield. But Pogba's given that a little mm. bit of extra quality as well as Bruno. So I expect Pogba to play, yeah. but it will be going through the manager's mind. He, ha- he has to play because the way, the way he's been playing recently and Liverpool are going to press, you have to get a guy who can take the ball, who can play through the pressure, who's got the physicality to do it as well. 1997, that was the only other time in the Premier League these two clubs have faced one and two in the table. Might not be one and two when we get to the match, but they are certainly there right now. So Liverpool, Manchester United, highlight your Sunday of Premier League viewing. That's at 11.30, Peacock Premium, sandwiched between Sheffield United, Tottenham, and Manchester City, Crystal Palace. Then we're back at the Emirates Monday with Arsenal and Newcastle. Coverage starting at 2.30 on NBCSN. The weekend starts on Saturday. Five matches for you beginning at 7 a.m. with coverage ahead of Wolves and West Brom. Leaves Brighton and West Ham Burnley at 10 a.m. followed by a West London derby between Fulham and Chelsea. That's 12.30 over on NBC. We close out the day with Leicester City and Southampton. That does it for this edition of the Premier League on NBC podcast. Be sure to check out other episodes where you'll get a collection of our most spirited in-studio debates as well as exclusive on-site access. Plus, don't miss out on Premier League mornings, weekends at 7 a.m. Eastern on NBCSN and Peacock Premium. Bye for now.